Please turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. We are doing a series on spiritual warfare. And we are talking about the armor of God and the different pieces of armor. And the last two weeks we spent on the belt of truth and understood how important it is to be truthful before God. I was giving you examples of Rahab and you know, all those people that lied to the Nazis when they came asking whether they had Jews in the house. And it's, it's important that we are truthful before God and we understand Him to be the highest authority. Absolutely. He is the judge. Amen. Amen. And our truthfulness needs to be before Him. What does He want us to do? Amen. And we can't just be foolish in the way and simplistic in the way we think about those things. Are you all here? Yes, you need to be truthful. Yes, you need to tell the truth. If it's covering your own self, then that's a problem. God is not happy with that. Those people that, you know, for example, both instances I gave you, for Rahab and all those people that were hiding Jews and everything else, they put their life on the line. Amen? To save God's people. We know Rahab ended up in the lineage of Jesus Christ, so, and we know Jesus didn't have a problem with that. Amen. God so loved the world. So we looked at truth, and today we're going to look at the next piece of armor also brought out in verse 14. I want to begin reading in verse 10 as a starting point. The Apostle Paul says there, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, that is your belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. We're going to be talking about that today. Notice he says, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Again, this is one of those things that already needs to have been put on. And we need to be really careful that we don't run out into battle without our breastplate. Amen. You know, sometimes we think all we need is a sword. You're looking for trouble. You're looking to get hurt. Amen. No Roman soldier in his right mind ran out without his breastplate. Amen. And we're going to talk about that today. This verse of scripture is taken from Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 17, where it actually describes the coming of the Messiah as the avenger and the deliverer of the church. Hallelujah. With the prophet Isaiah writing there, For he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with the zeal as a cloak. Now I love the way the New Living Translation puts it. Listen to what it says. He put on righteousness as his body armor. We'll understand why it says that. And placed the helmet of salvation on his head. He clothed himself with the robes of vengeance and godly fury. Amen. You know, that's what we need to do when the devil comes our way. Amen. Not cower and run. We need to get this way. Amen. Now, the problem that we have a lot of times is we get this way with the people. And we let the devil do whatever he wants. And can I just say this? If you deal with people constantly, the devil will constantly find more and more people for you to deal with. You know, if that's working, he'll just keep doing it. 
The whole idea is to kill something at the roots. Amen? Whenever you're dealing with things, you deal with what's behind it. Yeah, of course the person had a will. Of course they could have chosen not to carry out whatever the enemy was saying to them. Of course we know that's true. Amen? But we also need to understand that if we take away the influence, (laughs) then the thing that he's using will lose its power. It's a funny thing how people just, you know, they want to tell you off. You bind the devil and it just goes away. And they just don't have the wherewithal to tell you off. We need to understand that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. But against principalities and powers and all the rest of it. Do you hear what I'm saying? And then don't get surprised when they suddenly change. Unless they're being sneaky, that's different. Okay, <laughs> alright? But you know what I'm trying to say. If you pull something out... Expect to change. Your prayers are working. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, the breastplate was the most beautiful, bright, shining, elaborate, and glamorous piece of armor that the Roman soldier possessed. It was made of either bronze or brass, and it was the first thing you would notice on him. Is it the first thing that people notice on us? Or is it the last thing that people notice on us? I'm talking about righteousness. (laughs) Okay, sometimes you don't even know if they're saved or not. Amen, you know? I mean, it should be the thing that just lets everybody know you're a Christian. Not everybody wondering, why are you a Christian? Are you really a Christian? I would have lost that bet. (laughs) Okay? No Roman soldier, once again, would ever go into battle without his breastplate. It was designed to protect his heart and other vital organs. Without it, he would be vulnerable to every kind of attack the enemy had in his arsenal. Now, that means swords and arrows and everything else. Amen? Therefore, when we decide to walk in God's righteousness by faith, Archant Hughes says this, His righteousness will guard our heart as effectively as the finest breastplate. And he concludes, In conscious dependence, we must revel in the breastplate of His righteousness and allow what clothes us to fill our souls. Did you get that? We must allow what clothes us to fill our souls. We need to fill ourselves with that righteousness. It is a choice you make. So that we become instruments of wonderful spiritual aggression. Now we're going to talk about that towards the end of this particular piece of armor. So now as for the breastplate itself, one commentator says that the breastplate began at the top of his neck and went all the way down to the knees. It was composed of two different pieces of metal. I want to bring this out because it is important. One of the things that I always got taught a long time ago, and sadly I kind of not really looked into it. You know how you just hear things and you preach it because you heard it? Because you expect the other guy did all the work? <laughs> okay. I used to preach, well, there's no armor in the back. All our armor is in the front. And everybody used to go, yes, amen, hallelujah. See, now you know not to say amen, because I said I used to. Okay. (laughs) But I want you to listen to what the breastplate actually consisted of. If the Apostle Paul is going to use an illustration, then it's going to include everything that he saw, and therefore we need to receive everything that he's saying. Amen? Not just what we think. So... It was composed of two different pieces of metal. One piece of metal went down the front, 
and the other went down the back. That's why the New Living Translation said body armor. Get it? Okay. They were held together by solid brass rings on the top of the shoulders. Do you get the picture now? Okay, so there were solid brass rings. You couldn't cut them off, see? Okay, and drop the guy's armor. Amen? Quite often, the larger sheets of metal that covered the front and the back of the man were comprised of smaller scale-like pieces of metal similar to the scales of fish. It would be put on over the top and you would have one part coming in the front and one part going in the back. Do you get it now? Alright? This righteousness protects you front and back. It's a very powerful piece of armor that looks after all your vital organs and allows you to fight on regardless of what the enemy is attacking you with. Okay? See, a lot of times, because we don't have our breastplate of righteousness, because we don't have our armor of righteousness, can I say that just for the moment? Okay, because we don't have our armor of righteousness on, anything that the enemy uses to attack us, we just go down. Do you understand righteousness? Do you understand that he'll come at you with, Oh, you know you're not that good. You know that you did this when you knew it was wrong, you still went and did it. He's attacking righteousness. Do you, are you getting this? Okay. And so, if you start to then look at yourself and depend on your own righteousness, you're going to fall. Today, what I want to teach you is how to have God's righteousness all over you. So that you don't lean on, depend on your righteousness. Your self-efforts won't get you anywhere close to what God's righteousness will do for you. And we have to be so careful because a lot of people will preach this and say, well, it's all about you living a perfect life. Well, if that's the case, you know, just cross us all off. Amen, if we're honest. Which one of us is living a perfect life? Don't put your hand up. Because then I have to cast a lying demon out of you. No, <laughs> no you know what I'm trying to say. Amen. I mean, you know, you may not be doing anything overtly bad and evil, but we all have thoughts. Especially when people cut us off on the road. We have thoughts. We don't act on them, hopefully. But we have them, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and they're not good. Mm -hmm. And then we have to repent first, then pray for the other guy. <laughs> oh, you have to repent, somebody said. <laughs> Always a good thing. Oh, don't you know, yeah, have to pray. Really, I have to waste my prayer on that. I don't even pray for people I love. Why should I pray? No. <laughs> Come on. All right, anyway, let's, let's carry on. <laughs> this is spiraling down. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the way that we put on our breastplate of righteousness is by faith. Now this is a real key. Okay, There are several scriptures that bring this out. So I want to deal with those first before I talk about it. First of all, Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 8. The Apostle Paul is writing here and he says, What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ. Verse 9, And be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own, that comes from the law, that's doing good and being right and everything else. Do you understand? But that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God, 
can I just add, and is as perfect as God Himself, and is by faith. Notice what you're not meant to do. Notice He says that not having a righteousness of my own. He was a Pharisee. He was very good at not doing all the wrong things and looking all holy and righteous. Amen. He was a Pharisee among Pharisees of the strictest sect. Remember that? Alright. And he says, listen, you guys say you're good. (laughs) I'll show you good. But you know, it was all self-effort. It was all man's effort to be good, to please God. And it never hit the mark. Do you know what the mark to getting in heaven is? A hundred percent. Because there can't be any evil whatsoever that can stand in the holy presence of God. Do you get this? It's not like he's just saying, no, you better not because I don't like you here. (laughs) Okay? He is so holy and there is so much power emanating from himself that if anything unholy comes in his presence, it would just drop dead. Remember the Ark of the Covenant? You know, that wasn't God mad because somebody touched my thing. (laughs) Don't touch it! (laughs) No, it's not that, okay? People preach all kind of garbage on that. Sorry, I almost said another word. Uh, They preach all kinds of garbage on things like that. Do you know what? It was God's holiness. They touched God's holiness. And they're not saved. They're not born again. Not born from above. Do you hear what I'm saying? That's the reason why that individual died. And don't preach that God is holy and thou shalt not... Yeah, you you need to understand what's behind all of that. Amen? It's about unholiness touching pure holiness. It just doesn't mix. Amen? So we need to understand. Now listen to me. If that's not going to work in heaven, can we not make it try to work on earth? Amen? Amen? We need to understand something. Yes, we do do our best. We do want to please God with our life. Amen? We want to do everything that is right in His sight. Now listen. We have to be careful that we're not trying to please Him by making ourselves look good. That's not what He's looking for. He's not looking for us To try and make ourselves look good in front of Him. That is called self-righteousness. That stinks. Hear me. Our work is to help other people. And to do it because we love them, not because we're trying to look good. And we're trying to gain favor. Hello. What's in it for me? Do you hear me? That is the last thing that should be on your mind. When you are helping, you help because they need help. I think we're, we're all a little bit mental sometimes. And I don't mean we here, but the body of Christ. Think about this. On one hand, they, they think about God when they're doing stuff because they're trying to please Him. On the other hand, they never think about God as paying them back. They want the person to pay them back. Listen, man, if you've got your eyes on God, then keep them on God. Amen? You want to please Him, you please Him You do the right thing down here and expect Him to bless you for it. Don't look for reward down here from anyone. Just don't. They will let you down. People are champions at that. 
years of experience. No. <laughs> okay? Just be careful because they, you know, because you know what happens then? You go, well, I'm never doing that for that person again. Which then begs the question, why don't you do it to begin with? Also, you did want some recognition. It's a fleshy thing, guys. Okay? I do the same thing. I'm putting myself in. We do it. I'm not saying you do it, I'm saying we do it. You know, and we have, we just, you have to catch yourself out at it and say, stop it. Because Jesus said, if you do it to be seen of men, whatever pat on the back you get, relish it, that's all you're getting. Amen. He said, but if you do it in secret, then God will bless you. And can I say, God's blessing is so much better than man's. And that way it doesn't matter if they're grateful or not grateful or whatever. Listen to me. You do stuff because God leads you to do things. If He leads you to do it, then He is responsible for blessing you for it. Not the person. He is. If you weren't led by the Spirit to do something you just want to do because you want to look good and gain some favor and it all doesn't work out, don't blame Him. Isn't it good just to help everybody? Listen to me. You missed what I just said. Be led by the Spirit in everything that you do. You don't know what's going on. Somebody rushes to a car. And they're, they're fumbling around trying to get there. And you think, oh, I'll go help that person. So you help them in the car. And they drive off. And the guard comes running out from the bank. That guy just robbed the bank. Thanks for helping. Hello. Y'all get that? Okay. Because they all look at me going, I, what's wrong with doing something good? I just told you. Be led by the Spirit. Okay? Because you don't know what criminal you're helping otherwise. Alright. They all look innocent, you know. Because they're in trouble. Somebody's going to shoot them for doing the wrong thing. Alright, back to this. Romans chapter 1 verse 17. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed. I want you to see this. We miss this sometimes. In the gospel, not anywhere else. It is only in this gospel that we find this righteousness being revealed. Because every other gospel, every other religion says you have to do good in order to get somewhere. Did you get this? Okay, it is this gospel that says all your good works are not going to get you in. I've done what it takes for you to get in, now be good because you're going. Don't be a stinker coming to heaven. (laughs) Okay? Amen. See, we need to understand that what we do then is voluntary. What we do then isn't trying to get us to heaven. It's because we're going, we want to do as much as we can to bless people on the way there. That's what pleases God. Amen. Hallelujah. And so here again it says, For in the gospel a righteousness from God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith. Did you get that? It is a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, from beginning to end. You don't start by faith and end in works. Amen. I told you, however you start, that's the way you go, that's the way you finish your race. Don't switch tracks in the middle. We do that sometimes because God blesses us so much. We start finding a strength on the inside of us to do what is right. Have you found that? And then suddenly your focus goes on, oh, how good I am. I'm actually quite good. And then you get off track. No, sweetheart. 
You are growing in strength. You are growing in maturity. God's power is now enabling you to do things that you never thought you could. Is not for you to look good. The greatest of all is the servant of all. To serve everyone, you need to know everything. You need to be good at everything. Not everybody can serve everyone. I'm not talking about tea and coffee. I'm talking about my computer just crashed. I don't know what to do. Are you a servant of all? Mm-hmm. Well, fix it. I don't know that much. Well, you ain't servant of all. Do you hear what I'm trying to say? My airplane broke. Fix it. <laughs> I ain't that good. The greatest of all is a servant of all. God begins to give you abilities so you can be a blessing. Can I say, as you start helping and blessing people, you are amassing treasure in heaven. And down here. Jesus said, nobody has done anything for God. Okay, houses, brethren, blah, blah, blah. That he won't get a hundredfold return now in this life. You need to read that. The, the whole incident with the rich young ruler. He said, now in this life. Everybody preaches, yeah, in the great by and by. No, now in this life. In the other life, there's treasure waiting. In this life, you got houses and brethren and all that happening. <laughs> Amen? Okay? And we need to understand that. Whatever you do, you will be blessed for. The more you do, the more blessing. Therefore, the more you can help, the more blessing you're getting into. And you need to keep your eyes on God and let Him bless you. You know, sometimes you need to go a little bit of a distance because He wants to bless you a little bit extraordinarily, but you need to do something a little extraordinary to get that extraordinary blessing. We miss that sometimes. We just think, I don't want to go through that. Go through it. And it isn't because He made it happen. It's because there's a devil and there's stupid people. <laughs> Can I just say that? Okay, they're dumb for listening and dumb for doing. Okay, but they listen and they do. And they make your life difficult. But God so loves the world. He's going, don't kill him yet. They might get saved. You were like that one day. We didn't kill you. Amen. So you, you know, you, 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 just with that, you just think, okay God, that's why love is patient. Love is kind. The very first two qualities. Patient is long suffering. Not because God wants you to suffering a long time, but because He wants everybody saved. Amen? And He wants you to just give Him a bit of time. And you will be blessed for whatever you go through, because that's not His will. You're going through something difficult, He will just pour grace on you, blessing on you, all kinds of provisions all over you. He'll just do it. as long as you stay right with Him, He'll just continue to bless you regardless of the situation. That's an outworking of righteousness. I'm not off my topic. <laughs> okay? It's an outworking of righteousness and you need to allow it to work out. And you need to understand that it is His righteousness in you working itself out. And let it. Just let it. Stop fighting it because of your rights. Stop it. Let go. Amen? I know this is hard stuff, but I'm just telling you, man. This is how you get blessed. You want unlimited blessings? This is how you do it. Okay. Notice how he concludes Romans 1.17. He says again, let me read the whole verse. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, listen, the righteous will live by faith. 
The righteous live by faith. That is the way they live. That is the way they conduct their lives. It's by faith. Do you understand what that means? It, mean, it doesn't mean that you're always believing for mountains to move. Okay? <laughs> All right? What it's saying there is that your whole life is based on knowing that God, who you can't see, is watching over you, leading you, guiding you, and will bless you regardless of what you go through, regardless of the hard times you might face. God sees everything. And people might get away with it or think they get away with it. See, there's a little rule. It's a throw up and it comes back down roll. Galatians 6, 7. Whatever you sow, you reap. You throw a ball up, it's coming back down. Do you hear me? People do wrong to you, ball has gone up. (laughs) Okay? Just don't be around them when it comes back down. It won't be a good day for them. You won't see it. It's like Sodom and Gomorrah. You need to keep walking. Don't look back. Pillar of salt is waiting for you otherwise. Just keep going. Okay? You don't look back at the judgment. And don't, be, don't throw a party when they're judged. <laughs> this is not a good thing. Once again, Satan has taken down another one of God's images. See it that way. Bad image, but still one of his. We need to be careful. Amen? That's why we have to pray for them. That they, get, they have wisdom. That they do the right thing. That they stop doing dumb things and hurting people. Because a harvest of that is coming back on them. And if they're Christian, you know what they say? God is doing this to test me. No! Now you're preaching garbage. First you live garbage, now you're preaching it. Stop it, man. You did bad things. Things are coming back. <laughs> okay? Learn. Don't preach that God's doing it. I understand that we live in a fallen world. I understand the enemy does attack us. The difference is, you've got to work out which one's a harvest and which one's an attack. When you know it's an attack, fight back. When it's a harvest, repent. Then fight back. <laughs> okay, alright. Don't ever let the devil get any kind of advantage over you. Ever. Jesus paid too great a price for you to allow him to do that. In Romans chapter 3 and verse 21, the Apostle Paul says here, But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. Notice, the righteousness from God apart from the law. Apart from your doing good. Apart from all the man-made rules. Okay? Listen. He says, A righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. It's witnessed by the two of them. They both look at it and say, This is right. Interesting, isn't it? Can I just say this? I haven't preached on this, but let me just take a minute out. If you try to please the law and the prophets with your good works, they will condemn you. Because they testify to something greater. They're saying, we're here to tell you, you're not going to make it. We're here to tell you that no self-effort is going to get you there. You're going to need something more. That's our job. Your job isn't to worship us. Your job is to see the person that is going to pay the price. He's the one you worship. Jesus is going to have these sort of conversations with the scribes, the Pharisees, in his walk on this earth. He's going to be constantly saying, all of this attested to me. And you are putting all of that to come against me. You are using the very thing that tells of my coming against me. What is wrong with you people? (laughs) Okay, that's what the Sri Lankan Jesus would have done. Anyway, (laughs) alright. So, so, <laughs> all right, so again he says here, 
But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ, watch this, to all and on all who believe. Now there are two tremendous promises there. We generally get the to all, but we don't get the on all. Okay? So it's to all, okay? So to everyone that believes, this righteousness is available. That's the to all. Let me talk to you about the on all, okay? (laughs) The term on all who believe actually means that the righteousness of God is placed like a garment on everyone who will dare to believe. Notice, on all. Because of what Jesus did on the cross. So it's not just to you, it will be put on you. If you let Him. See, a lot of us, I don't like this garment, take it off. I want some wiggle room. You know that wiggle room is going to get you in trouble. (laughs) Okay? You're going to wiggle right out of it and then be defenseless. Then when the enemy attacks, don't say, oh, God's testing me. What? Your breastplate is over there. What are you doing here, stupid? Sorry. (laughs) Do you understand? People just do this, man. They, They want their freedom. And then they get hurt. We need to learn that what He puts on us is for our own good. He is trying to stop things happening on the front end. Not on the back end. Do you hear what I just said? He wants you all covered and looked after and protected before you ever go out. So that the enemy, it doesn't matter what the enemy does, you've got a breastplate, you've got armor on. Throw anything. And as much as we are going to look at the shield of faith and how powerful that is, we need to understand that the the breastplate of righteousness, this armor of righteousness, is what actually covers your body. And you need to have it on, sweetheart. You really need it. Okay. This is an incredible scripture on righteousness because it actually says that the righteousness of God rightfully belongs to all and on all who believe. Amen? Romans chapter 5. We'll look at this verse today and we'll finish here because I'm basically out of time. And we'll come back. There's so much more. Romans chapter 5 verses 17 through 19. The Apostle Paul is writing here again and he says, If by the one man's offense... Death reigned through the one. Much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. So if one person caused all these problems, then the one that died for us restored everything. God Himself went to the cross. The one that created man went to the cross. He didn't create something else to go to the cross. Let me put it to you a different way. The creation messed up. The Creator went to the cross. He didn't make another little creation to go to the cross. The Creator Himself went to the cross. Remember Colossians? All things were made by Him and for Him. Amen? Alright, we could look at that, but I don't want to go there today. So, verse 18. Therefore... As through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. So through one man's righteous act, his righteous act brought your righteousness. 
Get it? Verse 19. For as, as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Will be made righteous. We were made sin when Adam messed up. Okay, no, okay. Let me, let me deal with this for a minute. Isn't it interesting how we tell people that you're all sin, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Okay, Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23 also says, for the wages of sin is death, blah, blah, blah. Okay, alright. So we understand this, but we don't get this. Listen to me, okay? Something awesome happened here. Alright, just because one man messed up and Satan did everything he could do to get this one man to mess up so that everybody would be made sinners. They say, well, why should I? I didn't do anything wrong. That was Adam. No, that person's act made everybody sinners. We didn't have a choice and we just got made sinners. You're getting where I'm going with this. When Jesus died, whoever received Him was made righteous. Oh yeah, but I didn't shut up. You were made righteous. Just like you were made a sinner. When Adam sinned, when Jesus died and you received that, you were made righteous. Now be a little righteous. Okay? Because <laughs> you've been made, whether you like it or not, just like the sinner who was made a sinner, no matter how good he is, he's still a sinner. You are righteous. You were made righteous. No matter how bad you are, you're still made righteous. You're just bad advertising. <laughs> okay? Are you all with me? All right? You need to understand you're not trying to become righteous. You have been made righteous with His righteousness. It is flawless. Now when the devil turns up, slap him with your breastplate. It's one way of using it like an offensive weapon. Take it off and beat him with it. And then put it back on. You want any more? <laughs> okay. <laughs> How do you beat him with your righteousness? You say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He says, yeah, but you did. Shut up. I am. The, this is you beating him. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Not in myself or in my works. In him. You got anything more to say? No. It, get out. Don't mess with that when it comes. Just beat him with this, with this and then just show him the door. Please don't go, oh yeah, you know, you're right. I did do that, and I shouldn't have, and I was mean to my wife. It's, can you all stop doing that stuff? Just quit that, and quit being mean to your wife. Okay. <laughs> you know better. You know what I'm trying to say? We just need to quit it, man. You know, you need to understand that the righteousness, you have been made righteous. You hear me? So I don't care what you did wrong, just like whatever the sinner did right is not going to get him into heaven. We say that, but we don't ever preach the other side. Whatever you do dumb is not going to keep you from heaven. The only thing that will stop you from going to heaven is if you reject it, and you don't want it any longer in your life. That is very, very rare. Not when you're just mad. Because God, you know, God's not going to hold you to when you're saying stupid things when you're angry. We all do that. He, he's too smart to take that as a thing. Do you hear what I'm saying? Is if you're calm and you enjoy something too much to let it go and you just want to go back to your old life, okay. I don't know how you can get unborn again, but I, I'm just going to say there may be a door there. 
that you can go back out. Stupid if you do. But it's not like people preach. If you do this wrong, you're going to hell. If you do that wrong, you're going to hell. Oh, give me a break. You don't tell that to the sinner. If you do this right, you're going to heaven. No, you want him to come up and get saved. Because you know whatever good he does, is not going to get him into heaven. Well, the same way on the other side. Amen. All right. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you today for your word.